Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the, um, let's see, what day is today? Friday? Friday night marathon meeting on faith. My name is Ellie, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, I'd like to ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. And to protect our anonymity, easy for me to say, right? Anonymity. Um, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed by OA members. This meeting is being recorded by Region 2. The opinions expressed here are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this is a one-hour session as follows. I read an excerpt from a piece of OA literature, and then I'll share for 25 minutes, followed by three-minute shares from those who wish to share. The topic for this evening is faith, the step three principles. The following is a reading from the AA 12 and 12. It's page 35. But suppose that instinct still cries out, as it certainly will, Yes, respecting food, I guess I have to be dependent upon OA. But in all other matters, I must still maintain my dependence. Nothing's going to turn me into a non-entity. If I keep on turning my life and my will over to the care of, God, of something or somebody else, what will become of me? I'll look like the hole in the donut. This, of course, is the process by which instinct and logic always seeks to bolster egotism and so frustrate spiritual development. The trouble is that this kind of thinking takes no real account of the facts, and the facts seem to be these. The more we become willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. Therefore, dependence, as OA practices it, is really a means of gaining true independence of spirit. Let's examine for a moment this idea of dependence at the level of everyday living. In this area, it's startling to discover how dependent we really are and how unconscious we are of that dependence. Every modern house has electric wiring carrying power and light to its interior. We're delighted with this dependence. Our main hope is that nothing will ever cut off the supply of the current. By so accepting our dependence upon this marvel of science, we find ourselves more independent personally, 
not only are we more independent, we're even more comfortable and secure. Power flows just where it's needed, silently and surely. Electricity, that strange energy so few people understand, meets our simplest daily needs and our most desperate ones also. Ask the polio sufferer, confined to an iron lung, who depends upon complete trust upon a monitor to keep the breath of life in him. But the moment our mental or emotional independence is questioned, how differently we behave, how persistently we claim the right to decide all by ourselves just what we think we shall do and just how we shall act. Oh yes, we'll weigh the pros and cons of every problem. We'll listen politely to those who would, would, who would advise us, but all the decisions are to be ours alone. Nobody's going to meddle with our independence in such matters. Besides, we think, there's no one we can surely trust. We are certain that our intelligence, backed by willpower, can rightly control our inner lives and guarantee us success in the world we live in. This brave philosophy, wherein each man plays God, sounds good in the speaking. But it still has to meet the acid test. How well does it actually work? One good look in the mirror ought to be the answer enough for any one of us, any overeater. turns off. I turned it off. Okay. I will now qualify and share my experience, strength, and hope on this topic of faith. My name is Ellie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you for being here, and thank you for allowing me to be of service. I came to OA about, uh, it's going on seven years in six and a half years right now, I was eating out of control. My life was totally unmanageable. I was very unhappy, and I was full of self-hatred. The men I'd been married to for over 25 years wanted a divorce, and so I was living in town with my girlfriend. And uh, as you can imagine, I would beat the path from the bedroom to the kitchen to the den where the TV was. And at night, what would happen is uh, my girlfriend would go up to her room upstairs, and I would just go between the kitchen and the television and the kitchen and the television. And I knew... I wasn't hungry. I knew that I couldn't control that. And I knew that I didn't want to live that way, but I didn't know any other way to do it. Every morning, I would say, 
today I'm going to be able to do it. Today I won't eat. And that was fine up until dinner time. And then after dinner, it was just back again to that rat race. And what happened to me was, um, of course, I naturally put on more weight. And as I put on weight, and it seemed to gather right around here, so I would grab, I would grab the the excess around my diaphragm and I remember hearing that voice that had always plagued me for many years and that voice said you're fat and ugly and at the time I was 59 years old and I had spent so many years fighting this disease which of course I didn't know it was a disease at the time I just thought I had a problem. I was very good at dieting, and I would reach a goal weight, and then I'd eat again, and I'd be back up even higher than I was before. And that voice was always there, that voice that was telling me, I'm not good enough. I don't like you. You're ugly. You're fat. And just all of this was always there. And I can't tell you why, it was there. Uh, my parents always told me I was wonderful, I was smart, I was this, I was that. And I didn't believe them. I thought they had to say that because I was their daughter. So I really just considered them lying to me. Um, so after I heard that voice, after many years of not hearing it, I really wasn't certain what I was going to do. Um, I had heard of OA many years earlier uh, when I lived in New York. And for me, at that time, I went with a girlfriend to a meeting, and all it wound up to be was a diet. So I took the gray sheet home, and I followed the diet. And after a while, like I did with every other diet, I got down to the weight I wanted to be and started eating again. So I was familiar with OA, but I didn't really know whether this, what to do about it. So I went for a walk one day, and I was seated in a park in Los Angeles, Roxbury Park, and uh, it was sunny, and it was warm, not quite like today, but it was sunny, and it was warm, and um, I noticed some people sitting in the shade, and I just kind of said, okay, i got to go move to the shade. And when they got up, I did move, and on the bench was a 12-stepper. And I like to tell this story because... Now I can look back at it and see that I was being led to a place where I could find the peace and just an answer for me. So that was on November 19th of 2006. A week later, on November 26th of 2006, I went back to that meeting and... Once again, I believe 
I believe that I was given the grace of abstinence by my higher power. I was, again, 59 years old. I considered that I had lived two-thirds of my life already. And if I was lucky enough to have another third, that I did not want to spend it fighting with food, yo-yoing up and down, and absolutely hating who I was. So that was my journey into OA. What I found after that was, at least for me, was a miracle. Um, at my first meeting, I heard what I needed to hear. I don't remember what everyone said. I do remember that I heard that abstinence was three meals a day and nothing in between. Somebody else said three meals and one snack. And for me, I chose that as my initial abstinence, that um, three meals a day and one snack. And so I had eaten breakfast, went to the meeting, had lunch, had dinner, and then I went to sleep. I could tell you it was probably about 7.30 at night, you know, but it didn't really matter because I needed to not be confronted by that problem of my eating at night. And that was my first night of abstinence. And from there, it was just whatever I did the first day, I did the second day. And... To me, being able to go one day without eating at night, I couldn't do it on my own because if I had been able to do it, I would have for all that time I was trying to figure out what to do. That to me was some kind of grace, some kind of gift. And as I worked through the steps, I started to see that I did, that there was something in my life. When I was first growing up, the, um, I didn't have a God of my understanding. I didn't have a God because when I was eight years old, my grandmother died. And to me, that was the worst thing that can happen because she was absolutely unconditional loving to me. And when she passed away after my praying to God to save her, to have her be there for me, I figured if God had no use for me, I had no use for God, if he could not answer my prayers. But that's very childish thinking. And it took me a long time to see that God is not Santa Claus. You know, you don't ask for something and your wish is granted that there are things that go on that I just don't understand and um, when I came to program and I learned that I needed to admit that I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable I got that I knew that right away that's not a problem 
came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity? Mm, well, I wasn't quite sure that. But as I continued to abstain on a daily basis, I saw something was happening in my life. And in step three, we make a decision to turn our will. I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And that is probably the most important four words, as I understood him. Um, I'd been to a, uh, a convention uh, very similar to this, and I was pretty new in OA, and one of the meetings was on the third step. And the leader talked about what we, what I would want, or what we would want our own higher power to be like. Not that I had to figure out what God was or is, just what my concept, what I would want for a power greater than myself. And for me, I thought of the unconditional love that I remember from my grandmother. I thought of wanting someone who always had my back. Wanting, wanting to know that I was being taken care of. Wanting to know that this higher power had the best in mind for me. Even if I didn't agree in my thinking that that would be the best thing. And it was in a way that I came to see that that marriage of 25 years that fell apart, I had a part in it, it's true, but God was leading me to my higher power, who I choose to call God, was leading me to a place of self-discovery, self-acceptance, self-love. I wasn't able to speak up to, uh, I didn't have a voice when I was with my ex-husband. Um, I used food at that time instead of speaking. I would stuff the feelings down with the food. I now have a voice. And I can say what I need to say. I can say it kindly. I can say it with love. Because that's also what OA has taught me. That if I can relate to people, if I can act as if I have a power greater than myself in my life, and act as if I am doing what my higher power would want me to do, then I can have a very free life, I can have a very contented life, and I can have a very peaceful life. And I think that's what I have today. Um, I don't feel empty. I don't feel lost. I don't feel I'm not good enough without a companion. 
just the opposite. I feel that I feel I have a connection to a higher power, that I am unconditionally loved, that I am taken care of, that I'm given lessons along the way to help me improve, to help me grow. And this is not something that, it's a process. It's not a once and done. It's just something that I keep growing. I keep learning. I keep having more and more faith. I keep having more and more contact with a power greater than myself. Um, my mornings start with prayer and meditation. It starts with the third step, the first three steps, the third step prayer, and then I just sit quietly. I don't necessarily hear what God has to say, but I can tell you I've had some experiences where I have heard a very quiet voice that lets me know that it's not mine. Uh, the other day I was driving down um, a windy canyon road, and um, I, for whatever reason, I am still concerned about being late for places, so I like to be early. And I'm driving down this windy road, and all of a sudden a car just comes out of a parking lot, had no idea he was even there. And I just slammed on the brakes and veered this way, and he just looked at me and drove around. And that was one incident. And the next one, as I continued driving, was a dog was out in the middle of the road and walking. And uh, I just heard this quiet voice that said, slow down. So I took a deep breath. And I slowed down. And that was a message for me. And um, I don't know what else to say, really. It's just that the I've seen the changes in me over the last six years. My friends have seen changes in me. They see someone who's generally happy, pretty content, if you ask me on any given day, how am I, most of the time it's terrific. Sometimes it's not so terrific. But um, I feel my life is a blessing. And at one time, I did want to uh, commit suicide. It seems like a long, long time ago, and it probably was. I was in my 20s. And um, life is the most precious thing that I've been given. And I'm very blessed, I feel I'm very blessed, to enjoy each day. Whatever of those 30 years that I talked about that I have left, and I don't know, but whatever they are, I want to spend them connected, at peace, content, and just loving life. And I'm not unique. What I have found in OA is open for everybody. The peace, the surrender, 
the love, the self-love is all there. We are all good enough, and I believe we are all children of the higher power, whatever that may mean to you. And in closing, I just wanted to read something from For Today, which I like very much. Knowing nowhere in my life has my higher power been more evident than in relieving me of compulsive overeating in giving me the OA program of recovery. If I was not a believer when I came to OA, I am a believer now. I was and am still powerless over food. I, I came to OA with just enough hope to try. There was no one, nowhere else to go, nothing left to do. I gave up my will and was relieved of obsession. Today, I trust more than I did yesterday, and I will trust more tomorrow than I do today. For today, how grateful I am for the concept of God as I understand God. Only with faith in a power greater than myself am I not afraid to enjoy what is beautiful and to be happy. Thank you for letting me share. Okay. Um, we'll now have three-minute shares, and we ask those of you who are wish to share to line up to my left. Please, uh, foc the focus of our meeting is faith and the third step. And um, if you'll all just make certain you take just the three minutes, then we'll all have time to share. We will be closing at about 20, excuse me, 10 minutes to 11. So if you'd like to share, please come up. As far as I know, there is no group conscience uh, regarding that. If you, um, I wouldn't either. If you, exactly. Thank you, Jessica. If you prefer not to be recorded, then don't share or just come up and share without your name. I have a compulsive overeater. I'm going to make this work. There we go. Um, thanks for your share, Ellie. I always get a lot out of um, your shares, and uh, I'm really grateful that you're in my life. Uh, Ellie's from L.A., and so am I. We all hang out. Um, so, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Now that in itself is kind of a bit of a miracle. I'm a controlling kind of guy. I want to control everything in my life, and I still get caught up in that. Um, and when I do get caught up in that, um, I, I go a little nuts. And let me just give you a quick little example. These, 
I, I would say at least these past, I've had my mom move in with me and I've been living with her for about a year. And what I've been noticing little by little is me reverting back into kind of childlike behavior. You know what I mean? Stuff that I've been in program for four and a half years, just to qualify. Um, and I am on step nine. Uh, and in those four and a half years, I was, you know, living by myself mostly. Um, there's a certain amount of recovery that I have being a single guy. I mean, there's certain food that I, that I don't have in my house. Um, there's a certain, you know, I read for today. There's a certain routine that I have when I've got control kind of of my environment. Control. Um, where now, uh, now that she's moved in, it's a whole different story. Not only is it that we, I have different food around, and that's not a horrible thing, unless, you know, I'm going nuts. Um, that's not a bad thing. But it's also my space is, is, is invaded a bit. Um, so what does that have to do with faith, Nick? Well, I'll tell you right now. Um, uh, uh, oh, Okay. So what's happening is I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm reverting back into some childlike behaviors. And now, I, and I'm also noticing one minute, that's it? All right. Um, anyways, it's driving me nuts. And what I've been trying to do for the past month or so, or two months, or I don't know how long it's been because I've been trying to do it for so long, is control everything. I hope she's okay. Is everything okay with her? Oh, my God. Um, I could see bread. What am I going to do about it? And, and just, it's really weird. It's, it's, I haven't turned stuff over. And I'll be honest with you, Monday, this Monday, I was over it. You know what I mean? I was just nuts. And on Monday, I thought, well, why don't I just pray? Is it time? Um, why don't I just pray and take it a day at a time? Because I've been flying into the future and into the past. I hadn't been present. And I thought, let me be present. So I sit, I pray. You know what I mean? I, I get back into my faith. Because I'm not in charge, right? If I start turning it over to something else, I get that relief. You know, I get that momentary relief. Um, which is the reason why I came and I stayed in this program anyways. It was for that release, uh, re relief. Anyways, um, that's it. Not that the relief is always there, because I have to keep coming back to it. And that's what I've been doing. You know, I take a break from work, I'll go outside, look at the sky, and go, thank you, God. You know, help me be humble of heart. Help me, uh, help me be a good person. Help me get through this day. Anyways, thanks for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you, Billy, for your share. I'm Garnett, and I'm a compulsive reader. I I had a hard time getting the third step. I had never, uh, I, I guess I was a control freak as well, and um, the concept of turning my life and my will over to something outside of myself was really difficult. But it was 1990, 1987 when I came into this program, and I had had a doctor tell me that I needed to um, eliminate dairy, wheat, corn, and sugar from my diet. And I was having a hard time with that. And I was committed to working this program no matter what it took. And so the way I got there was I decided that I was going to continue to read the third step until I got it. 
And I think I had to read it about three times before I could see myself starting to let go. And I finally came to a point where I could let go, where I turned my will and my life over to a higher power. I learned that if I did the footwork, I didn't have to worry about the outcome. I had to let go of worrying about the outcome and just trust that all I had to do was what I could do and let the higher power take care of the rest. And it's made all the difference in the world in my life. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kim, compulsive overeater. Hi, Kim. I was praying in here to be released from the cold. <laughs> um, I've been in program um, about 10 months, maybe. And um, my first meeting was a revelation. I've called myself an agnostic most of my life. Um, I, too, I had a very traumatic childhood. And I felt that God deserted me, and I turned away from God when I was about five and a half. My heart was broken, and I, I had a miserable childhood. And um, um, when I went to the first meeting, two people shared about having what they both called God problems. There we were. I'd been afraid to deal with this food issue for years. And I go to a food meeting and they're talking about God and I was suddenly taken back to that horrible time when I was five and a half I, and um, um, my mother um, left and I never saw her again until I was 16 and a half and as a child it was I think it felt worse than if she had died because we didn't have photos there was no grieving we couldn't speak of her. We were supposed to pretend she didn't exist. And of course, I would dream that she would come back and save me because um, she left me to be abused until I was 18 and, and was able to flee. So she deserted me to be abused, and God did that to me, and I was very angry. Um, but I was also very fortunate. I'm very bright. There were good things also that happened in my home. Um, I had a lot of strengths. I was very social, able to make friends, able to put my life together and make a plan for survival and to get out and to make a life for myself. And um, people began to tell me that they thought I was spiritual. And as things began to get better for me, I've always been very grateful and I've always wanted to give back. And um, so I called myself agnostic, you know, so I get to this meeting. I broke in two. I was back five and a half. And I realized for me, turning away from God alienated me from myself. And I think that's where my food problem began. And I cried and cried uncontrollably. I've cried more in the last year than I've cried in 30 years. And I am beginning to feel a release. And um, so I'm still on step three. I can't get past it. It's a biggie. But I am beginning to feel things falling away, things just starting to happen. And I am very, very grateful for all of you 
because I feel like my life is truly beginning with a sense of peace and happiness for the first time in my life. Thank you. Hi, I'm Larry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, when I first got into OA, um, I was pretty uh, resistant and um, didn't want to just dive in. I was, I guess, kind of just testing the waters and wanted to know what it was like and stuff. And um, I knew I had a problem with food and I couldn't do anything about it because everything I had tried wasn't working. And OA to me was like a last resort or at least it was the next thing to try. And um, I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, but I wanted to try it. And I wasn't ready to turn my life over to a higher power at that time, but I knew I had a problem. And the thing that that was in between knowing I had a problem and turning my uh, making a decision to turn my, my will over to a higher power was the second step, coming to believe that a higher power could restore me to sanity. That was an important part in my recovery because um, once I had come to that realization, it was a lot easier to turn my w will over, and that began with step three. Thanks for letting me share. Got the evil eye. Okay. Hi, I'm Jessica, compulsive overeater, and everybody has to get up now. <laughs> um, thank you, Ellie. I guess the the topic here seems to be step three, which um, is the tricky one. You know, having faith that this program will work, having faith that there is some higher power out there looking over me. These are things that I really never had in my life. I was not a religious person, and I really was more of an atheist than an agnostic, but with agnostic leanings. I, I knew that there was a God, but it wasn't for me. I, I never could connect. And um, I've been in OA for now for six years. I never prayed before I came to OA. In fact, when I got a sponsor, my sponsor said, well, you have to pray. I'm like, uh, that's really not going to be happening because I don't know how to pray, and I'm not going to pray. And, um, and then one day I found myself praying. The serenity prayer just popped right out of my mouth because I've been to enough meetings where I heard this serenity prayer. And... I was with my family, and they were all making me insane. And I just started granting me the serenity to accept these people because I can't change them, and they're making me nuts. That was the prayer that I said. And um, as close as I could get to a prayer, but I was speaking to a higher power, which was like revolutionary in my life. I never did that before. Um, I was very newly abstinent at this point, at that point, and... Um, I didn't know how I was going to handle a whole week with my family in a place where you could have as much food as you wanted all day long and you don't have to pay for it. You could come back for seconds or thirds and I'm like, 
ah, am I going to do this? But you know what? I was really fortunate enough to have a food plan by that time, and I just stuck to my food plan that I would eat at home. I said, I might be in Cancun, but I can just eat what I would eat at home, and that's what I did, and that got me through the week. It got me through the whole family. I prayed to the Caribbean Sea. The ocean is sort of my higher power, has become my higher power at that point, because I just... didn't really have any other concept of a higher power. And even today, my higher power is there with me all the time. It doesn't necessarily do or give me what I want, but I always get what I need. I know I'm being taken care of. I do have faith. I have faith that today I can live without using food as my solution because I have the 12 steps of this program. I have fellows I can call. I have conventions like this to come to. And, um, you know, it's really changed my life. And so I hope for you all the same, same blessings. Thank you. My name's Dave. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I came to Overeaters Anonymous August the 17th, 1976, my first OA meeting. And uh, the last thing that I wanted anything to do was uh, with God or anything like that, or even the steps, you know. I wanted to uh, lose weight and uh, go home, you know. And uh, so, uh, but I had, I was at the end, end of my rope uh, because I tried the, in those days, the shots and the pills were the thing, you know, and I had Dr. Stanley Z. Gilbert in Azusa, California, have rented a house there on a, in a residential area. And you can go in there and get these little pills and a shot every week and control your weight. And so a uh, guy I worked for recommended I go there because I was too fat. He thought I was too fat. He was also obese, but... He was a boss, so, uh, so, so I had faith in Dr. Stanley Z. Gilbert because he had what I was looking for, you know. And I went home to visit my mother, and she said, "My God, Sonny, how did you lose all that weight?" And I told her, "She says, you know, that's not good for you." And I said, "I was very disappointed, in my mother, you know, not very supportive, you know." Of course, your mother's always right, you know. You, you learn that when you're 65 or something. I don't know. In my case, but. Uh, but I think the journey to faith that I've had has been one that uh, mostly uh, people in the program helped me with, you know, challenging my belief that there, you know, first of all, that, that God, there, you know, I, I knew there was a God, but he was for the people that dressed in a suit and their kids looked good and they went to Sunday school, you know, and they went to church every Sunday and drove a nice fine automobile and lived in a nice house. And they didn't fight like my parents did every day, you know. Uh, and and slam the doors and all that stuff and uh, and besides that I was an adopted kid so I was a mistake you know one minute and uh, so uh, you know over the years people have challenged my belief you know you know it's you know God's always with you Dave you know over and over and over over and over so and and, and said read read this book Tr- go to this place try all these things so it's a, not even not only Overeaters Anonymous but you know, like the book says, uh, the libraries and the bookstores are treasure troves for all seekers. You know, 
I think that's some wisdom that the AA people wrote in that book. So, uh, and it all brings me back to Overeaters Anonymous, of course, you know, and and grace, you know. So, uh, I, I read somewhere, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Pardon me if I'm biblical, but uh, that's something to think about, you know. So, uh, my faith in God has it develops over a period of time. Not done with it yet, you know. My life's better than it's ever been because I came to Overeaters Anonymous and somebody challenged my belief about God and faith. So, thank you. I am Susanna, compulsive reader, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for your share. And I came to OA, uh, it has, it's going to be 11 years in August, and it was in Sweden in a very small meeting. Only two women were there, and there were candles and on the table, and very, very cozy. Um, and what I saw, what I found at that first meeting when I entered that room was I saw their eyes, they were shining, they were bright, and that's what I wanted. I did not even pay attention if they were overweight or underweight or whatever. And I came to that meeting because I knew I, I, I had asked, I had asked my, 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 I had made a short prayer previous to that and ask God that I just wanted this obsession, this thing in my head to stop. I was becoming crazy. Um, I couldn't concentrate on my job. I couldn't. I was so tired of all the binging and starving and overexercising. It came to a point I couldn't overexercise anymore. So I knew I was it, that the weight would just gonna be coming up, 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 and it, there will be probably no end, and maybe I would, like those balloons, I would just go up and explode. So I asked God, you know, I don't care if I become very, very, very overweight, because that was my first fear, to put on weight. So I said, I don't care, I just, right now, I just, please make this noise in my head stop. So I came to, to, to away, and what I want to share about, so this is just to tell a little bit about my story. And those 10 years has not been perfect, or I have relapsed, I have come back, I have left the meetings, and and I went to a, a two and step two and step three workshop in Laguna Beach this week, last weekend. And what I got from that and what I wanted to share with you was we made an exercise where you could write, for example, everything that I turn to when I have, a, like, for example, when I'm, I'm fearful, what or who do I turn to? When I'm angry, what or who do I turn to? When I have financial insecurity, what or who do I turn to? And I find that many times still I don't turn to God first place. 
I turned to the television. I turned to uh, maybe I th my father that I, I thought was many years was my higher power. He had all the answers, and he doesn't. Uh, and then it's just a reminder reminder to myself that I I need I I give I turn myself and I'm powerless to my higher power. Sometimes I take it back and I try to do it my way and that's okay but I need to turn it back. Just remember to always turn it back. And I don't work the steps right like I'm working the steps on one and two. And sometimes I have to stop and make a four step inventory and then I go back and so I can I jump on the steps back and forth to thank you for letting me share. Thank you, everyone who shared. Really appreciate it. Um, it's now time to close the meeting. Thank you, f everyone, for attending and everyone who shared. After a moment of silence, let's please join hands and close with uh, the third step prayer. Thank you.